Hello and welcome to Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I am Andy Hughes and I'm here, as ever, with Alex Hudson. Podmas time, mistletoe and wine. No, that's not the song. <laughs> Podmas time, mistletoe yep. and pod. Um, have you about been waiting? fucking time is what have I was saying. Have you been waiting for so long not, for me to turn up? No, no. You've lost all will to see. even it. This isn't even it. This is dating back two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, no, I, I seem to really turn up for a record once in a while. I don't know if you heard, guys, but I think COVID may be real. <laughs> back from the <laughs> pandemic, I see. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> but you're back now. Yeah, I'm alive. You can't see me because for some reason my camera broke. Today. And we don't have time for preamble, so unfortunately. Woe is me, COVID Andy is preamble. It uh, was tough. Like Nobody's ever talked about how tough COVID is on people. Mm. No, nobody's ever mentioned it until I experienced it myself. Dr. Fauci, more like Dr. Ouchie. <laughs> I, did that in a, I did that in a message the other day and you liked it. I still like it. So yeah, I'm back and I'm fighting fit. I'm, you know, no longer bedridden. You're going to start fighting people now. And some people just say, oh, the great thing about COVID, right? The the one great thing about COVID. Mm, the best thing about is COVID. Because I took like a week off work, perfect time to bank in some films to watch. How many series of Pokemon did you watch? So I'm on episode like 20 of Pokemon, the original series. And I watched all of I'm a Celebrity. And I've been watching a lot of football for a competition I said I wasn't really going to watch because it was mm. easy viewing. Mm. Um, also, mm. great episode on uh, both your episodes that you did. Really, really great fun. I enjoyed them both. Oh, um, he's saying that to placate me, our audience, but he hates me, really. No, it's true. <laughs> I, I enjoyed them both. I, listened I, I, got both. The, I got the listener stat from him, and it says it turned on for 20 seconds, and then it turned <laughs> after the theme song when he realised um, it was so <laughs> I knew I wasn't there, so why would I listen? And you're like, oh, it's like just that. him. Ugh, yuck. Didn't Not even bother to get a guest host on. Barrett couldn't be asked to <laughs> pull his fucking ass to the cinema and see something for the first time in five years. So, yeah, I saw basically nothing. And then the following week, I was preparing mm. for... Um, so if if the acoustics are different, guys, I'm in a new Dinosaur HQ. Milk the long, for all it's worth, guys. The long prior dinosaur HQ that I've been busy with. So yeah, then I was busy kind of sorting that out. So I didn't I believe the house was real until I was in it. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was a back. imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus situation. <laughs> oh yeah, did you not notice I turned into Johnny Depp halfway well, through? <laughs> what's interesting is I get I went in thinking this is an imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus situation. By the time I left, I thought it was a Mr. Megorium's one. I knew you were going to go with <laughs> I knew that was the one you were going to go with. They're both the same um, film. You can never tell me otherwise. <laughs> but welcome to the episode, guys. A, a full complement of hosts with a full complement of films. We are... Ooh, it's a good, yeah, it's a good, good thing that hosts watch so many films. We are the only podcast in the world that talks news and reviews. This week, we're going to focus on movie news and reviews because that's what we're here to do. 
Beep, what will we be beep, reviewing beep. today? That's me reversing <laughs> into position, just backing mm-hmm. up all these reviews that I've got backed up. <laughs> um, what are we going to be reviewing today? Well, you're going to be talking about Black Panther Two: Wakanda for or Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, is it? Yeah. Or is, is there yeah, I think it is. No, I don't think there is a two. Well, it's not the first one, guys. So it's not like a Wakanda <laughs> Forever cut, if that's what you were thinking. <laughs> Um, I will be talking about Bones and All, I will be talking about Barbarian, I will be talking about Free Troll Suli, and I will be talking about Three Minutes of Lengthening. I've seen a lot of films this couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. but guess what? Someone wasn't kind enough to come and do a podcast, so I couldn't talk about Barbarian (laughs) two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, By the way, by the way, before we go into it, this is the penultimate news and reviews of the year, for goodness sake. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so guess I've what? Got... You better start watching some films. Guys, um, what's that I smell in the wind? Is that catsup season? <laughs> I 100% think your catsup season is going to be you sitting watching I'm a Celebrity from like last year. Oh, maybe I could. It's on Oh, IDB my player. God. Um, what, so what, my, is, what is wrong think... with you? <laughs> My film count is woefully low this year, guys. I have been... What's the, what's the count? Do we, is it in the are... 40s? So, guys, now how we host this film podcast... Like, Wait, is it not even in the, the hosts... 40s? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Imagine one of the hosts just, like, didn't watch enough films. Um, but I've been busy. I can't believe how many films I've seen this year for saying I said, oh, I'm not going to watch that many this year. What this means, and the thing that everyone's excited about is what this means is, catsup season's a big one this year, guys. Catsup season is big. Um, but you've got, what, a week off? I've got two weeks off over Christmas. Okay. Well, I've got, like, had 30 two, You've had days two weeks off, off and you've seen one thing, so... Uh. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, I've had... No, because I had a, I I thought you meant like over Christmas. How long do I have off? Over Christmas, I got two weeks. Yeah, which I know, is but, all you, you, but you've you've just basically had two weeks off, right? Two weeks it off. It was the COVID, baby. Oh, for goodness' sake! We know it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> you've got thirty-four films on your watch list. <laughs> Shush! Don't tell anyone. I mean, um, I definitely have more than double that. Yeah, and then like I was good, so I was going to watch a film last night, right? But you've watched a lot of series because you've watched Andor now. Right? I've watched a no, I haven't watched that one yet. My goodness, um, my goodness, guys! I haven't started Wednesday series. yet either. Oh my god, he's not started any of the things he promised but, he would start last. Hey, and twenty episodes deep into Pokemon, it's been a month since they've heard from you, and they don't know what you've done, and neither do I. Yo, I'm just saying, there's an episode of Pokemon that I watched literally this morning where. Instead of you were watching it this morning, <laughs> instead of characters speaking to each other, the Pokemon were talking. They were subtitled, and Bulbasaur's a little bitch. <laughs> Good God! All right, let's just get on with it. Um, but yeah, welcome back to the episode. We're going to talk about some stuff. Um, do you have anything for gaming news? <laughs> what kind of intro is that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> we will get to those reviews. There is an Before intro we reviews, that we we'll always do news. for gaming news. And before we... I thought I'd shake things up a little bit. New, new house, new me. I think you uh, just forgot how the podcast works because you haven't done it so long. Oh, no. <laughs> um, before we go there, let's take a little draw down the alleyway that is gaming news. Okay, well, how about this? Esports News UK. 
five best video games featuring gambling. Um, all of them do now, you fucking idiots. Oh, God. Great news. Guess Please what? tell me that's the beginning and end of that news. <laughs> well, there's a whole article about it, but it's just like, it's talking about some of the games where you can gamble and it's cool. Is one of them poker? <laughs> um, no, you've got, I'll, I'll give you the rundown. GTA San Andreas. Mm-hmm. Fallout New Gam- Vegas. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, I need mm-hmm. to throw my copy out then. Pokemon <laughs> Blue. Just Pokemon Blue. I'm guessing the um, coin place. Always Sometimes Monsters. Never heard of it. And the bottom line, oh no, the bottom line is the, their version of a summary, apparently. <laughs> uh, the, they put, the problem is they put the header of it in the same font and size point that they... This is, um, this is on um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's website, yeah? Um... Because that's it's, the bottom line. <laughs> I don't really understand that reference, but it's because like a catchphrase Stone of his. Cold said so. Oh right, you should have just gone. Gong 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 gong. I know that. Okay. Shall we talk some movie news? Well, that's the only perfect movie... gaming news. <sighs> My legs falling asleep. I've been waiting here this long for you. I'm just going to go full recline. Yeah, it took me a while to actually. Last get time I did the full recline, I pulled the. Um, microphone out and then we had to start don't, oh don't again. oh don't do that again please well guess what i'll do whatever the fuck i want <laughs> oh, because no, i've been on this oh, podcast no. the last couple of weeks oh no please don't do that again you forgot um, that you not being here means i am now main host <laughs> and i've got main host energy i wonder if you've officially done no so mm. i think genuinely before this year or last before last year i think i had missed like one episode mm-hmm. at most and now this year, I've missed so many. <laughs> it depends if you count the sidecast, baby. <laughs> no one counts the sidecast. I, I don't. You can I, have them back next year. I think I have done. Yeah, I think I have done more episodes than you. Hmm. Maybe. Because remember, there were only like two years of the podcast running that I wasn't on it. <laughs> Not even two years. Episode. Maybe only one year. Hmm. Shall we talk movie news? <laughs> I want to quit the podcast. Can I tell you that again? <laughs> Everyone You're loves back, your catchphrase. So <laughs> um, well, we've got some exciting episodes coming up. Like, your favourite episodes are coming up. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting all year for it. Well, by the way, that ep- my favourite episode of the year is next week. Yeah. Got we- so you've watch. got to watch three films this week. I you haven't that. watched three films in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Little spoiler for everyone who's looking forward to our Christmas offerings. <laughs> So, I know I'm going to watch those movies. It's just now a case of whether you're going to bother watching them or if you're going to wing it. All right, there's some trailers released. You've sent me some messages the other day. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me. Uh, Mario trailer two. So this is the first. This is this is the official trailer because the first one was mm-hmm. regarded as the teaser. Um, yeah, Mario's get, in it. So this is the Super Mario. It's called Super Mario Brothers now movie, or was it always called that? I think it was always called that, right? Because I thought it was just called Mario. Um, um, but the, all the posters now say Super Mario Bros. movie. Yeah. Um, um, did you watch this one? I've watched I watched four of them because I thought we wouldn't talk about Cocaine Bear, because I think we've talked about that before. No, but they released a trailer for it. I don't care. Just Let's just move on with the podcast. The bear is angry. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder why. Because <laughs> he had cocaine. Someone nicked all his cocaine. 
Ray Liotta's in it. Yeah, it's going to be like his, his final, final movie, maybe. Yeah. Him, the cocaine bear. What What do you want? What do you want know. from me that is further does, than this? There's a bear that took a lot of cocaine, right, and they made a movie about it. I'll watch the trailer it. on silent while you talk about Super Mario Brothers. They, they talk, they talk I about think Super how, Mario Brothers, by the way. You know what? The catchphrase is, for, for a short, short period on Earth, this bear was the most eight dangerous predator on, on Earth. Mm. Yeah, you said it died after like three minutes, but those three minutes, it was scary. I think the film is longer than three minutes. Let's hope so. Um, there, that's all we need to say about Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Mario trailer. Yeah, what did you think to Mario? I mean... Mario! So this goes for pretty like much Luigi? everything. All the other trailers that I watched today as well for this. Mm-hmm. So everything just suck these days. <laughs> <laughs> this, do- like, this doesn't look good, I don't think. I think I'm gonna have so much fun in this film. Oh my god! Oh, it's us. You're probably oh, you're probably although, right. Do you Maybe feel it's just not for me? There is a lot going on in terms of like they've almost tried to do it all in one because you've got you know it's a Warcraft situation. It's got the bloody um end of the Ready Player One trailer at the end of this. They all. <laughs> In their Mad Max cars driving down Rainbow Road. Um, and I'm like, coward, you... cowards for choosing Rainbow Road. By the way, Baby Park is more iconic. <laughs> I saw um, somebody online tweeting, "They can't believe that Nintendo went woke by including a Rainbow Road," and I think they were <laughs> genuine. That's fine. Um, so yeah, I think this could be fun. I hope there's a bit where he has to play tennis with Bowser or golf. Golf is allowed. I mean... Super Mario Strikers is saved for the sequel. (laughs) I don't know what this is. Because it's just like... Uh, Well, it's... So, there's this plumber. He's (laughs) called Mario. It's just like... I watch the trailer and it's just like... Yeah, but what is this? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that the, the Bob Hoskins one was good. Because it wasn't, obviously. But it's like, at least that one, it was just like, <laughs> they were in New York. You know? <laughs> this is this just... is in this is in New Donk. <laughs> this... Oh, I so hope we get to see New Donk City. <laughs> I think this, I think this is, I mean, look, I'm sure it'll make a huge ton of money. I just felt like just the bit me. where he go, the, like, there's a bit where he's like on Rainbow Road and then it goes, ding like that, and then he goes, Wahoo. Yeah. And I oh, just the went, Wahoo's terrible, isn't this, it? All of this is what's wrong with Hollywood. Do your best Wahoo. Um, Wahoo. Wahoo! Yeah, you should have been Mario. I should have been There's Mario. a bit on the bridge where he's fighting Donkey Kong, and he says, let's a go. But he says it like Chris Pratt would say, let's a go. Mm-hmm. Because, remember, Chris It doesn't Pratt make said... sense that he would say, let's a go, if he's not Italian. Chris Pratt said that... If it isn't in the accent, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Do you not remember when he did that video and he goes, oh, don't worry, this isn't my Mario voice, and then it was his Mario voice. I didn't watch the video where he said it wasn't. It was an Instagram video. I gather that everyone's upset with him. (laughs) No, everyone hates... I mean, they were upset with him beforehand, is what I would say. (laughs) Um, Should we talk about Transformers, Rise of the Beast? So I'm confused now. Yeah. Did Bumblebee happen or not? Yeah, where's Steinfeld? Like, 
Is Bumblebee, Bumblebee was a good film. <laughs> is is Bumblebee now like back in this? Because like I saw him in it, but and I was like, the version of Optimus Prime we see in this looks like the version we see from Bumblebee, rather than the version we see in the Michael Bay Transformers, like the original Are they different? series of movies. I couldn't tell you the difference. Like aesthetically, they're different. Like um, he's a bit more in this and in Bumblebee. He's a bit more um, visually kind of reminiscent of the cartoon animated series. Okay, like he's almost that like blocky red. Um, while Michael Bay's version was it had this kind of like sheen to it, mm. um, Charlie, Michael actually, Michael. Okay. <laughs> um, so that gives me the impression that maybe it is the Bumblebee version were in there. But if that's the um, case, why does this look like it sucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because There's that a one big was go- fu- well, I tell you why it looks like Hold it on. sucks. There's a big gorilla, mate. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you and why. He's also a robot. I tell you why it sucks. Mm. Too many transformers. Mm. No, Actually, not mm. yes. There is one that looks like a cheetah. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna love this film, and I guarantee I tell you why. Because there will be a bit in it where the gorilla beats his chest to the sound of the music or something, and you'll be like... No, because it'll have an unsatisfying clang when he does it. He's not like King Kong. (laughs) Yeah, but what if it's a song that has clangs in it? (laughs) What if if it's uh, soundtracked by um, Nine Inch Nails? (laughs) (laughs) By the Ting Tings. Wait. Because Ting is a... Yeah, but their songs didn't go Ting Ting, did they? (laughs) Uh, They song said... It they, wasn't her name. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> okay. Didn't they have one about a drum? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't they have one about Ting Tings, if you're listening to this, write in. <laughs> at Dinosman15. So, um, my question is this. I mean, are you going to see this film? Of course you I are. liked Beast Wars. The fuck is Beast Wars? It's basically what they are, isn't it? Wait, when was Beast Wars? Beast Wars. The animation on Beast Wars... Now, if you go back to it, isn't great. Um, right. Wait, wasn't that the series that was on Netflix this year? There was no. a Transformers series about Beast Wars. Was there? Okay. What? Oh, to cut out a no, whole conversation no. here. We I'm don't cut out a whole conversation time. here. I'm going to flash the Matt McGowan flashlight into the sky. Okay. Matt McGowan will explain this to you via text. Oh. The whole history of Transformers <laughs> that wasn't me sort of sounding exasperated at him. It was just like I don't know if I care enough to get the like. I don't want Matt to trouble himself because next news and reviews you can clear up. But we're approaching <laughs> Christmas. I don't want to be thinking about Transformers at Christmas. <laughs> Transformers um, are the Krampus of Christmas. I'll watch it though. <laughs> I know you will. Okay. Um, there was another What's next? one. Indiana Jones. Oh my God. Oh, oh, he's back. And he's what? grumpy. Yeah, it goes for me as well. <laughs> like, I mean, first of all, the Dial of Destiny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got it. They got it. It sounds fucking dumber than any of the other ones. The thing is, like, Temple of Doom is kind of like, oh, ooh, scary. The Last Crusade, you know, it kind of does what it oh, says historical. on the Historical. And then whatever the first one was, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, oh, where is it? It's lost. The The problem is the Dial of Destiny. They've dialed that destiny up. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds like a phone number. The thing is, Dial of Destiny sounds much better than the Crystal Skull. <laughs> the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, yeah, true. It was royalty. <laughs> well, it was alien royalty. Um, I don't know. Like, I kind of am excited no, for this, I, in a what, way. Okay, I watched that trailer. I did not get any nostalgic sense of excitement. Even when it played the theme tune and you see the fucking titles come up. And I was just like, no, it's it's doing nothing for me. But not like this is the thing is like if I watch any of those three original ones, mm-hmm. I will always get a sort of sense of excitement from the fact that I'm watching them. Because I think they're of a time where that was the thing that was made. The problem is we're now at a time where it's just like, who wants this? Isn't it great that what we're learning today? Because like podcast, Uncharted guys. is this year's version of this, oh, right? I might watch Uncharted again. But Forget Uncharted is a movie that is made for a modern audience. So what is what this movie? Say, it's Indiana Jones. Yeah, but it, okay, I don't so, know if you remember him. So does this archaeologist, but he also is a professor. This movie. <laughs> Is clearly angling for like, oh, let's hope that we can get anywhere near the success that Top Gun Maverick had. Mm-hmm. It will not get that success. I fucking guarantee it. And I tell but you, I feel this why. has also been in, you know, production for much longer than Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, but clearly they're going to advertise it to try and appeal to that same demographic, right? Oh, that's why he's in the fighter jet. <laughs> is he in a fighter jet at one point? Yeah, yeah, and he says, "I remember your dad, Goose." <laughs> Okay. And he has a moustache now. (laughs) I'm... Wait, hang on. (laughs) Who has the moustache? Because, remember, Tom Cruise doesn't have the moustache in thingy. Oh, no, Phoebe Phoebe Waller-Bridge does. (laughs) Okay. Wait, so who is Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this Top Gun analogy? Goose. (laughs) No, Rooster. Who's Goose? <laughs> Goose is Anthony Edwards. He's dead in the film. Oh, no. When did that happen? In the first Top Gun. Oh, no. That's a shame. Um, I'm so <laughs> confused now. Don't tell me what Indiana Jones is again. I can't stomach no, it. What I was going to say... I'm too relaxed right now. <laughs> it's... <laughs> what we have learned on today's podcast is an important lesson. Mm-hmm. I am excited for apparently all movies and don't see them. Uh-huh. You don't like the look of any movies and see them all. <laughs> yeah, but I won't see any of these, I don't think. Um, final movie you, that we'll Oh, talk you about. will. Oh, sorry, did you actually have any thoughts on um, whatever the fuck it was? Indiana Jones. I, I liked it when the theme tune kicked in. <sighs> God, you're a simple man, aren't you? When he, um, when he, cracked, when he cracked his whip. Uh-huh. That was fun. And then they all pulled their guns out. That was That was fun. Just just so you know, Alex turned his light on. He didn't just click his fingers at me in disgust. Uh, last trailer? Is there one more? Or is there it didn't multiple? look good, is what I was thinking. Anyway, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I bet you're looking forward to this one. I see they have a new toy this year. <laughs> fucking baby rocket. Jesus Christ, <laughs> this fucking... Fi- oh, oh my God. I'm just... He's put his microphone down. His head is in his hands. This this one's got him. I'm so frustrated with this. Because I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, 
No, I'm not going to say what is this film because otherwise you're going to say because you've said it three times already. They guard the galaxy. (laughs) But seriously, though, I was watching it. I was just like, "What is this goop?" Mm -hmm. Probably something in space. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I just went. I watched it after I watched the Transformers trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like the two are basically interchangeable because it's just like things happening on screen and people punching each other. This one has a tree man in it. Yeah, I know, but the other one's got none a of none of the trans none of the Transformers are made out of tree. How do we know that yet? That's true. There could be a tree former. I feel like I've seen that Transformer. <laughs> tree former. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I imagine you loved this. I think it'd be fun. I I like. Well, I loved Guardians, and I actually really like Guardians too. Yeah, I think there's some really great stuff in there. Um, and this is apparently the culmination of their trilogy. So, I think what we'll see is you know James Gunn is obviously stepping away to go to DC mm-hmm. um, as the head honcho over there. I think you'll see some of the actors as well who are in our core guardians step away so this is kind of going to be the end of that arc now the guardians have always interchanged there's always been new members so we might get some more people come in and kind of change them that way but i think this will be a really nice way to kind of end what has been this cosmic team um and i think it looks like it could be fun i think it might be really emotional as well which i think is something that guardians 2 did quite well um, like balancing that emotion with the with the comedy, so I like I like it. Like, but but let's be honest, we're playing in my ballpark here. Mm, I, I I'm petitioning the council to shut down that ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> too many too many wayward youths around there. I I just don't know, you know. I won't see it. It's fine. What if I tell you after watching it that you'll really enjoy like we did with Doctor Strange? <laughs> I, I'm never going to believe you again after that. That's it. I told you not to at first. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, still shame on you. Fool me three times, even more shame on you. I've been tricked twice already. You shouldn't <laughs> fool me again. Never fool. Uh, never shame on me, though. I'm shame-free. Um... <laughs> That's it. I haven't got any other yeah. news. This was supposed to be a quepisode, and we're already running thirty minutes, so I don't think it's going to be a quepisode. <laughs> I, I blame I blame you. Today, for well, you know, the last two weeks. Been, the last two weeks have been quepisodes. Yeah, but guys, remember on the last episode, Alex did say that I am the glue that holds the podcast together. Don't think I didn't hear that. Mm, I know. I said. Well, I think I I I hypothesized that you might be the glue that holds it together. But now that you're sticky, back, sticky, I'm kind of like, sticky. I think I'm just getting high <laughs> off these fumes. I keep getting whiffs of paint. Like, know how my sense of smell has completely gone? Yeah. Like, it started to come back. And what I've realized is this house smells a lot like paint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get, like, the occasional whiff. Yeah. And it is shocking to my nostrils. Look, we'll <laughs> we'll record the Oscars at New Dinosaur Man HQ. And this will be fine by then. And guess what? If it still smells of paint, I'll put a mask on, even though I don't believe in the pandemic anymore. <laughs> oh boy, do I have something to tell you? Uh, shall we talk some reviews then? Yeah. Did you want to review any TV? Uh, 
I'm a Celebrity finished. I watched all of it. No, um, that wasn't why. I, I meant. didn't watch the reunion show because at that point I was I was like, okay, I've done my pit. Okay, I don't need to see this like extra extra bit. Um, I'm back down just good. in case the audience were wondering. Uh, Pokemon's been great. Like I said, watched an episode this morning. Um, and that's all I've been doing. Been playing a game still. Got a new game. You know that. Um, this isn't Dinosaur Man 64 though. That's all I got to review. Apart from my film that I'm reviewing shortly. We had a um, we had a vote while you were away about whether we kept on doing Dinosaur Man 64 or just Dinosaur Man in general, and I voted both <laughs> no. <laughs> One person contributed to the vote. <laughs> okay. Uh, talk to me about something you've seen. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me, baby. Okay. Tell me, baby. Okay, let's just... What's your okay, story? I'm just going <laughs> to... If if I may, I'm going to interrupt the Red Hot Chili Peppers there. Okay, so Free Chol Su Lee, uh, which is a documentary which came out uh, a few weeks ago now, um, is available on Curzon Home Cinema, at least. I can tell you that much. I'm presuming it's available on other digital platforms mm-hmm. and was in cinemas as well. Um, anyhow, so this is sort of the real-life story of... Um, Cholsu Lee, who was a um, who was um, basically incarcerated incorrectly in the 1970s, he was accused of murder in 1973 in San Francisco and served ten years in prison um, mm-hmm. before being released uh, after key evidence came to light uh, that revealed his um, innocence. So the the documentary focuses on the fact that Chosu Lee is sort of this this victim of um, the institutional racism within um, not just the American justice system, but also within some of the external workings and some of the external um, systems that are in place as well in the US. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the the initial murder that he's charged with was carried out by a Chinese American man, um, and Charles Su Lee is Korean American, so mm. well Korean who emigrated to America. So instantly from there, you're starting out from a point of um, misidentifying, uh, whether that's through ignorance, whether that's through uh, a deliberate choice. Yeah, but. Essentially, you're you're working within a system that doesn't seem to acknowledge the existence of this man in his own right, and more just seems to fit him into this story. Yeah. So the the film itself sort of focuses on the fact that whilst you know whilst this sort of this misunderstanding not misunderstanding but this this incorrect incarceration whilst that's tragic in its own right, it creates another victim because Chol Su Lee then becomes a mm-hmm. victim towards the system and yeah, comes out having had experiences within the prison system that then change him as a human. Mm-hmm. And his story is a tragic one and it kind of follows, you know, it, it gets to the point where he's exonerated and then you still realise that there's about half of the film left and you're thinking, all right, okay, so where's this going to go from here? And you find out all of this other stuff that then happens after prison. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's a desperately sort of tragic and sad story because it really it really does give you this sense of tremendous melancholy at the fact that realistically there is there is one moment at the very very start of this that then sort of defines his entire life mm-hmm. and those and there there's a comparison made by uh, an investigative uh, journalist who basically worked his case to try and get him exonerated um and he says you know his story's not too different to mine it's just it's those fine lines where i was this side of it and he was on the other and very easily that could have been me and actually yeah. if you if you look into and if you look into their stories and you look into sort of where where the two ended up you can see those delineations between the two and you can see the fact that actually this this story was made possible by the fact that it was so badly handled by the authorities in the first place and actually the rest of his life then went on to be a sort of domino effect of that yeah it's a really moving documentary i think and and it it kind of it makes you angry whilst you watch it it wasn't some documentaries for me have had that thing this year where i've really enjoyed them and i've really been interested in the subject material and that's the case mm-hmm. here but hasn't necessarily it hasn't brought me to tears okay and this yeah. is this one hasn't either but it just made me really furious um and i guess that you know that's probably good you should be furious about this it should it should, it should at least elicit a response yes yeah. um i think i would recommend because it's a really fascinating story and mm-hmm. i think the documentary is well worth seeking out um there was a um there was a hollywood movie um made about this case about the retrial mm-hmm. in this case uh called true believer which uh if everything about the the film seems to be true then um is absolute garbage and shouldn't be watched <laughs> um people around the um around the real case were furious with the film when it came out because yeah. it introduces this um sort of white savior character played by james woods um <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and it's just like mm, what about the the massive mobilization of the korean american population in um in san francisco at the time and actually across the yeah. across the country the entire asian american population who all sort of mobilized to um to make it their sort of but why would you include that when you could just replace them all with james woods yeah put in james woods and robert downey jr and you're fine aren't you I mean, Jesus Christ, Hollywood. It turns out it's still been garbage since 1989. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think I would recommend this. Yeah, free troll through yes. So it's on home release as far as I can tell. Um, and yeah, I you know, I, I really like this film. I think it's good. Good. Well, what else you got? I'll do another one. <laughs> I, I'll do another one I really like. So three minutes are lengthening. Um, really interesting film, this one. Mm-hmm. He says, mm-hmm, like, maybe he doesn't believe me yet. <laughs> well, I wanted to make a joke about three minutes, and then I decided to... I mean, yeah, I, I would say wait until man. you hear about the subject matter, and then let's exactly. just uh, the calm same, down. 
it's the same reason why I don't make jokes about any of the films that you say, mm. because I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to be a harrowing story about how somebody lost their child or something, and there's me going, oh, what is a sex joke? So Three Minutes, A Lengthening, which is based on the book Three Minutes in Poland, Discovering a Lost World in a 1938 family film. Told you. <laughs> we all know where this is going. Um, so there is a... Um, there's a three-minute video clip that's... Uh, so it's a film clip that was recorded in 1938 uh, by uh, the America, American memoirist uh, Glenn Kurtz, who visited Poland at that time, 1938. And there is three minutes that you see right at the beginning of the film. You watch the three minutes silent and just watching the full three minutes. The rest of the film then goes into sort of forensic levels of detail about the film and about the situation that surrounds that film and the the sort of the loss of what you see within that film. So mm-hmm. yeah, so um basically the the 3 minutes itself is just showing everyday life essentially, in eastern Poland uh, in a town called Naselsk. And all you see is these sort of images of these children and these adults who are sort of intrigued by the fact that there is someone with a video camera there. There is someone who's recording this information. And you hear over the top of this people talking about the fact that you know, when we saw this, we didn't really know what it was. It was so badly damaged, this footage, and it's been restored really well, but we didn't know any of these people within it because there was no documentation beside this. It was just, we have this clip, and Mm -hmm. it was donated to the the Holocaust Museum, and it was then, basically, it was put put online, and then someone said, oh, that, that that face there, that thirteen year old boy there, is my grandfather. Mm. And then the grandfather watches the film, and then he says, "Yes, this is you know this is my hometown, and I remember these people. And there's so you know there's some people in there who he recognised, and there's some people who weren't. But what ended up happening was he then was able to inform more about the backstory of what then happens after this." And yeah. what happens to this town beyond this three minutes? And you hear some absolutely horrifying um, accounts of what was happening at the time and what happened to this particular um, Jewish population within this town. Which And the this Jewish population has now been basically all but eradicated now in terms of mm-hmm. any history of them and any... Um, any sort of um, documentation about them seems to have been lost to time. And the whole film is basically this thing of celebrating the fact that, you know, the Holocaust was about erasure. It was about removal. And actually, something like this, starting out with three minutes of completely unidentified footage, didn't know what town it was at first, didn't know who the people were, Mm-hmm. All of these people had faces but no names. And therefore, you didn't, you know, faces and names mean something. Faces 
with names mean that you understand the the story of that person because you often find out more about them. And that's true here. You hear some of the stories around these kids and you hear like, oh, I remember him. He was a good friend of mine. I went to school with him. Oh, yeah, well, the girls in the video I don't really know because I was raised in such a strict upbringing that I never really had any contact with them beyond in the town. Mm-hmm. And all of that feeds into the fact that the whole film itself, it's, you know, it's uh, hour and nine minutes long, I think. Yeah. The whole film is about the fact that this is a victory over that destruction and of that removal and of that erasure of history and of a people who were there. Mm -hmm. And whilst you might not know that now because there's no remnants of them, you know, the fact that they were able to take this footage and I think they said, they say in the film that they've they've been able to put names to I think eleven or twelve of the people who are featured in it. Yeah, but there are a hundred and fifty people in there, and the fact that you're giving names back to eleven or twelve of them is a small mm. victory in itself. No, absolutely, it's a really emotional and very moving film about the fact that actually, when you have something like this, there is something beyond the beyond that three minutes that this represents. And this does represent a town and a people who were displaced, destroyed, murdered. Mm -hmm. And this is a documentation that they were there in the first place, regardless of what the Nazis would want you to think. And actually that to me is a really gripping thing. That's really I, I, the idea of sort of preserving that yeah yeah is something that is just yeah just really moving important no it's important and especially you know after comments that are made by some people in the yeah celebrity sphere this week like that kind of stuff is probably more pertinent now than ever um because that erasure didn't stop with the holocaust yes exactly like continued um but yeah no so it's, so it's really in, interesting it's in cinemas Where'd at the moment it yeah. um it came out on friday it's in cinemas at the moment and is on curzon home cinema um exclusively at home at the moment so if you have mm. e- if you have curzon home cinema then check it out there if you don't um and it's showing near you i will say it won't be showing near you unless you're in certain cities but uh i would highly recommend you search it out because this yeah. is yeah it's a it's a very interesting way to spend an hour and yeah, ten. Super. Um, where do you want to go to next? Do you want to do a third one or do you want to do, do, want do you do yeah. your one and then I'll do my last two? Okay. So let me talk to you about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. There's no two so, here. There's no two <laughs> idiots. Um, this is the sequel to the original Black Panther, mm-hmm. and the story basically is a story all about how the culture of Wakanda um, continues post the death of Mm -hmm. T'Challa. Because for those who don't know, in between Black Panther 1 and 2, the actor Chadwick Boseman passed away, uh, who was the titular Black Panther. And that kind of led to a conversation of, well, how do we honour him and continue our story going? And I think it does it really well. It does it really well mm-hmm. of going, 
how do we explore the death of somebody in real life who a lot of people found a really close connection with because let's be honest the, we spoke about it at the time with Black Panther there was an underrepresented viewership of the Marvel Universe who really found something for themselves within the film Black Panther Yeah, and this was a film that went okay but how do we keep those same people engaged without without the lead character so the film basically starts with the death of t'challa you it's not on screen or anything like that it's kind of explained to you what's happened um and after that it is a film that is all about grief the three main themes of this film are grief legacy and faith and how do the three intersect to make it so that you can a come to terms with your grief b understand the legacy of somebody who has gone and c how do you connect with your faith when everything is telling you that it doesn't exist especially in a film like the black panther universe where faith is so integral Mm. to these characters you know we saw in the first one there's stuff like the ancestral plane which is a plane that people actually visit um, and can see their ancestors. Um, this film is all mainly fronted by um, Letitia Wright, mm-hmm. um, her character Shuri, who is the sister of Black Panther. And it's kind of her coming to terms with that death and kind of she wasn't able to save her brother. Um, and how does that me- how does that make her feel? Thrown into this, so I realised I said I was going to explain the plot and I really kind of didn't, but thrown into this then you get the character of Nemor mm-hmm. or Namor um, who is basically from an underwater civilization and his whole thing is my civilization civilization my people have been hidden but because of Wakanda deciding to announce themselves onto the world stage people then learn that there's vibranium out there and have been combing the earth for it which brings them into contact with my people who I still want to be hidden mm. now he's pretty unhappy with the surface world and he's basically saying it is Wakanda's duty to support him in his gripes against other people mm. and if Wakanda don't support him well then they are an enemy of his people oh my god they're gonna go to war this then leads to a couple of misunderstandings and stuff like that where it puts those two cultures at loggerheads Namor is fantastic. Like genuinely, I don't have the actor's name in front of me. Um, if you want, if you want to Google it, feel free. Let me um, try. But he's fantastic because he is one of those villains that when Marvel do it right, and you don't. The problem is Marvel, like you don't get it often enough. Henok Huerta. When they do it right, pardon, go again. Henok Huerta. Yes. Um, He's brilliant. Like he plays it so well, and it's one of those characters where you completely understand where he is coming from. Mm-hmm. You completely understand why he makes the decisions he makes, why he feels the way he feels, and his actions are balanced to the way that the circumstances are. But you also completely understand what's why the Wakandans do what they do to put them at odds. Um, Angela Bassett is phenomenal in this film. Mm-hmm. So she is T'Challa's mother. 
She's the new queen of Wakanda, and she's a woman who has been wrapped with grief. She lost her husband, and then she lost her son, and she is trying to understand where Wakanda's place is in this universe. She wasn't really there to be the queen, you know, but it's a position that has been thrust upon her. And there is one scene in particular that is one of my favourite scenes in cinema this year. Mm -hmm. And it's purely down to her performance alone. Um, I genuinely believe she will be nominated for an Academy Award because I think it is that strong a performance. I really like Letitia Wright. Like, some people don't seem to be really connecting with her performance. I think her performance is great. Um, There's been gripes about the length of the film, but I didn't feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, The issues with this film, for me, come down to when it becomes more of a Marvel film and you get the kind of crash bang wallop of what a Marvel film does because it feels at odds with kind of what everything else is um, and probably could have been handled better. Like I completely understand the whole kind of Wakandans versus the, um, uh, what's his, Uh, I I want to say Atlanteans, but that's, that's Aquaman. I can't remember what his culture's called. uh, Um, Uh, What's really nice is that whole, their whole culture is based on Aztec culture as well, which is kind of another way to really um, bring a different look to cinema. Um, And this film is about, you know, the eraser of culture. Um, It's about, and this is what I mean. So, sorry, I got myself lost in my own thoughts. And the reason I think this film works Mm. in its good moments and not in its others is because this film is dealing with themes that I don't think many blockbusters deal with. It deals like this film is very um, aware that it's going to get heavy. It's very aware that it's going to talk about stuff that is uncomfortable um, within this world. But then when you have these cutaways to like, there's, um, a couple of characters in this that seem to only be in there because they want to set up a future Marvel timeline sort of thing. Like they're there because, oh, we have the Thunderbolts coming out in a few, Mm. in a few films time. We need to start laying groundwork for why they exist and stuff like that. That stuff feels at odds with the fact that like, I genuinely believe that Ryan Coogler has done a very raw film about him dealing with the grief of the passing of a close friend at the same time where the audience will be dealing with the passing of a close friend uh, or somebody they've really connected with and he has done a marvellous job. And for me, there were certain themes in this that for obvious reasons really connected with me. Like I I really kind of went, oh yeah, I felt that too. Or I've been through that or I still feel this. And it makes you realise kind of where you are in the terms of those three factors that I mentioned earlier. Um, I really love this. I do. And I spoke to you yesterday about it um, briefly. And I was saying, I haven't even put it on my list yet because I don't know where I want to place it because I genuinely think this is one of the best kind of superhero offerings we've had this year, Mm -hmm. which would put it like top of my list. But I don't know whether that's a purely emotional, having just seen it response. 
um will i cool down on it because i remember like when i saw doctor strange that went straight up there um and that slowly dropped down over time and i feel this one is really fantastic i know that your brother wasn't too hot on it mm-hmm. um, and i think that's another thing that's kind of maybe going well, let's see where i the s- podcast baby let's see where <laughs> let's see where i settle on this but i genuinely really love the way they handled this and there's some really cool things they do in it um like i said namor um tisha wright and angela bassett Mm. oh fantastic like really great and i really like where this film ends off um because it makes me want to see more of this universe what it did make me think um and the most important thing (laughs) is i watched this film and then i fought back to four love and thunder and i went how are these in the same (laughs) stratosphere Mm. as each other because four love and thunder was made with seemingly no care and no regard for the character or any kind of semblance to story. And this is made with such care and honour that I was like, I don't understand how they're the same. Um, And this kind of puts to shame pretty much everything we've seen in this phase of the Marvel Universe. Um, I'm just kind of rambling now, but yeah, I loved it. I would recommend, um, I really like this. The phase is over. Yeah, this is the last thing. Yes, because it ends with it starts the next one with Ant Man, doesn't it? Um, Very cool. I don't know if you would enjoy this. You, I think you would enjoy parts of this. I think there's genuinely stuff in there that you would really like, but the stuff that I don't, I'm not too keen on. I think you would really not. Is like. there any CGI goop? Would... <laughs> there's no CGI goop. I don't. There's think. no CGI goop. Do you mean as in like? Just like. Products made by. Is there any like? Is there any bit where like two people are punching each other? And I'm just like, I I know you aren't. Yeah, there is there is one shot especially where um you can tell um what's his name um Winston Duke mm. is definitely on a green screen, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can tell that's the case. He's great as well, by the way. He's really good. They're all great. They're they're all great. Like it's a genuinely they're all great. Great cast. Martin um, Freeman. Do you want to just? Well, he's one of one of the characters. I'm like, I don't understand why you're in this film. Like, I genuinely don't understand. Because of Thunderbolts. <laughs> um, do you want to start talking about another one of yours? Because otherwise, I would just keep saying this was great, yes, and, I'd and really we need to end it. the podcast soon because you've got to go to your parents' house for the World Cup, a thing that the you World claimed you would boycott. Here. <laughs> okay of course we give it its true name here the world pup um okay what am i going to talk about well let's talk about barbarian which i really like this one i'm interested in this is what i was going to say at the beginning i'm interested in because i've heard so much stuff about it well and i've heard I'm some not, really interesting I'm not stuff tell you and i don't know about if it's it because yeah and ruin i, I don't think i don't know whether this is a film for me you will have to tell mm. me um because it is one that i am kind of interested in so please do so tell me. Bavarian is a new horror film written and directed by uh, Zach Kreger uh, it's his um, solo screenwriting and directorial debut um, and basically it follows this this woman arrives at this Airbnb property only to find out that um, it's already been reserved and someone else is already staying there and 
you know, all of your sort of horror movie senses are telling you, right, we'll get out of here because nothing good is ever going to come of you staying with a strange man overnight. And she, against her maybe better judgment, stays. And then strange events start happening and a secret, a dark secret is unveiled about this property. I'm not going to tell you anything more because mm. I genuinely it is a case of I could tell you other things that happen within the film, but then that ruins the film because yeah. it's more fun to find those things out yourself. So what I will say is this. You have got, um, you've got a film that tells a, a story within the house. And then there is a story separated out from the house as well. Mm-hmm. And then the two sort of intersect at one point. And what I would say is this, the the film itself reminds me really deeply of uh, a Sam Raimi film. Um, mm. on the And that might be the fact that it's set in Detroit and sort of there's this Michigan <laughs> sort of spirit to it. But it may well just be the fact that it has this kind of energy of it's slightly bonkers. It's slightly... It kind of, it feels like it's, at times it goes into sort of goofiness and at times it goes into really heavy goriness. Um, actually, that's not true. Uh, okay, maybe, no, I don't think it goes into really heavy goriness. But yeah. it goes between these things and it kind of flits between them. And what's really interesting about this film is that there are a couple of moments in it where I was like, oh, okay, so that's the end. And then it keeps on kind of going. And the f- the first time I thought that, I was like, that would be a very brave move if that was the end. But it isn't. And then you get something else happening. And then I think I had another one where I went, oh, so this is kind of the natural end and I think I'm satisfied there. And then it kind of keeps going for another sort of 15 <laughs> minutes out of the tail end of that. And actually, the more it kind of did that at the very tail end, I was like, eh, I think I'm less like I'm less enthralled by this film yeah. now that it's kind of done that last 10, 15 minutes. However, what I will say is this. Most horror films won't make a film anywhere near as good as the first hour and a bit mm-hmm. of this film. And if that's what I have to... If I, if I get 102 minutes rather than the 90 minutes that I was kind of hoping it would be, that's yeah. fine by me because this is still a much better horror movie than a lot of other horror movies. Yeah. So yeah. it it does a really it does a really smart thing of making you care about this environment that they are putting you in, and it really feels like a very tactile film. It feels very mm-hmm. real. It feels I was going to say grounded. That's probably not the right word, but it feels very it's tangible you can you you know yeah. you can feel it and there's a lot of good stuff going on within it and actually i i i kind of went in with no expectations no knowledge of what was going on in it because i deliberately avoided everything because i heard people going mm-hmm. oh you know this is a lot of fun um and it is it is a lot of fun but i think i had then read a review afterwards that gave away a few things that happened and i was kind of like if yeah, I'd have read yeah. that I've not seen any reviews. I would have really been annoyed about it. 
and the only thing I knew about it was I knew one of the people who was in it, and that was only because Paul had told me that day or something, or had sent me a tweet about that thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't even know that. But I was going in blind, completely blind, didn't know anything about it. And actually, that's the best way to go into it. So all Mm -hmm. I would say is go into that film just with an open mind and just see where it goes because it does go to some places that are... I felt like uh, I felt like the only thing that kind of held it back was that I kind of felt like it could have done it could have embraced the goofiness more and maybe that's yeah. just me going oh okay I would have liked more of a Sam Raimi thing but it kind of there's a couple of things in it that remind me of Sam Raimi and there is a couple of things in there that kind of remind me of something else as well and it kind of meets somewhere in the middle and I think that's probably fine mm-hmm. you want people to have their own voice and I think you know Zach Greger is a good director, clearly. He's a good, um, you know, and having a comedy background really helps him because he understands horror, I think. Yeah. Because you've got to make sure, you know, you've got to make sure that you're able to do both sides of it, that you can you can keep that, that sort of fine line. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I, I really like this film. I, it's very high on my list currently. Um would I like it? Uh, hmm, it's a good question. Basically, could I handle it is the question. Like, As we asked before, horror films, we're all trying to find that one horror film that I could stomach and it'll be fine. I think you could. I think you could okay. because there are, there are some thematic things in here that help break up the horror. Okay, I'll watch there it. There are some moments of levity within. I'll add it to my horror homework Okay, list. so that will never be watched then because it's still waiting on a film from 1993, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, finally today... God, the Bones and All. such a long episode. No one liked it. Quepisode! So, Bones and All. So, this is a new sort of romantic uh, road trip movie uh, directed by Luca Guadagnino from a mm-hmm. novel um, from 2015 by Camille... Angeles, uh, that was then uh, adapted by David Kanjarik. Mm, mm. Not sure on the pronunciation or any of that. Let's let's. You tried. Mm, yeah, I know. I could have tried better. Anyway, so um, stars Taylor Russell as a young teenager in the nineteen eighties um, called Marin, who sort of exists on the fringes of society, um, lives with a father, and um sort of lives in this sort of trailer park area and seems, seems mm-hmm. you know, has like a go bag ready for if they have to move a short moment's notice. And then we see why they have a go, a go bag ready for if they have to move at a moment's notice when she goes to attend a sleepover at a friend's house. A friend sort of says, oh, you, you know, sneak out and come over. And she goes over and uh, bites off one of her friend's fingers and good lord so she returns home covered in blood and her father kind of goes oh you you went up you, you know you snuck out didn't you you've done it you've done it again and they and she said right three you know three minutes get your bag and we're off so they then travel and relocate to a new area and mm-hmm. a couple of days after uh she turns 18 um her father abandons her and leaves her some cash, her birth certificate, and a tape recorder with a, a, a tape in it. 
And basically the tape then acts as this narration through the rest of the film where it basically recounts the story of her cannibalistic uh, traits and the history of those. So it's kind of... It's this it's this kind of, you know, loosely fantastical story about this young cannibal who basically goes to try and then find her birth mother because her mm-hmm. birth mother left the scene and she realises that if she can connect with her, then maybe she's got some hope of sort of finding out why she is the way she is and, you know. Yeah. And along the way, she bumps into other cannibals. And she realizes, that, you know, she 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 finds the first one in Ohio, um, and she she encounters this guy Sully, who's played by Mark Rylance, who basically says, mm-hmm. "You'd be surprised. There's more of us than you'd think. There's not lots of us, but there's more of us than you would think." And then she ends up sort of traveling by herself initially, and then bumping into another cannibal who she seems to have a kinship with uh played by Timothy mm-hmm. Chalamet so they they sort of then travel across the country and live some kind of sort of Jack Kerouac style life of sort of <laughs> life on the road and you know it's it's a love story that then develops between the two of them and that's basically what it boils down to is this film is a love story it's a coming of age story mm-hmm. and it just so happens to feature cannibals in it um what I would say is this. I think it's a good film. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's much better than good. I think it's, you know, okay. I think it's okay. Um, Luca Guadagnino is a director who I have a difficult time with sometimes. And <laughs> certainly his remake of Suspiria was uh, a film that followed some of the same problems of this. He's he's kind of obsessed with this idea of well let's linger on everything and that can be good and there is some good stuff within here i think the cinematography is really good actually because mm. you know this this girl is living on these sort of fringes of society there's a lot of shots in it where she's in it and lee um played by timothy chalamet's in it but there's a lot of open space around them as well and you realize they're on the edge of the frame yeah and you know that kind of reflects where they are within themselves and within society and there's some sort of there's some interesting stuff going on there with the cinematography the the um the scores by trent reznor and atticus ross so that's good Mm -hmm. i like that but (laughs) i think the problem for me lies in the fact that the scenes between her and lee are they kind of feel a little bit wishy-washy yeah, I t- I can't really work out the best way to describe it. I want to call it kind of perks of being a wallflower esque, but that's probably doing a disservice <laughs> to that film. Yeah, yeah, but it does feel like it's very languid and it's very sort of ponderous in terms of uh, the pace it takes with with their love story. And actually, the more mm. I was watching it, the more I was just going, "Okay, I, I get it now." Kind of wanted we, to push it we progress on, a little bit impetus. because actually, there are scenes within it where I was just going, "I don't really feel like we're getting anything new here. I don't really feel like we're mm. getting anything that really informs the rest of the story." 
and it seems like it's scenes for the sake of having scenes. And whether that's just yeah, because yeah. Guadagnino liked the writing or whether Guadagnino thought that there was something within it that was useful to be telling or, you know, like the performances, whatever it was, you know, fine. But I did kind of get to the point where I went, so what, what am I supposed to be caring about here beyond the fact that, mm. you know, these two have got this love story that sort of progresses naturally, but at the same time kind of feels slightly forced. It, it, yeah. And maybe that's an issue with the original, uh, with the novel, because if, maybe. if I went back and read that, if if any of it sort of felt like it was all that similar to what ends up in the film, then probably it's a case of the, the source materials got some root, root problems at it. I think, I mean, Taylor Ross, I really like. I think she's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was terrific in Waves whenever I saw that, 2019, 18, whenever it was. Yeah. I loved that film. And I think she put in probably the best female performance of the year in that year. But that being aside, there's a ste- there is a scene-stealing, very unsettling scene with um, Michael Stuhlbarg. Um, mm-hmm. uh, David Gordon Green's there as well, but don't worry about him. Um, but Michael Stuhlbarg <laughs> is really good in that scene. And beyond that, I think, to be fair, Mark Rylance plays this sort of suitably creepy, older cannibal guy who mm. comes across as sort of stunted developmentally. Um, and I kind of enjoyed his interactions with Taylor Russell. And actually, I kind of ended up getting to the point where I was like, you know... I'm not sold on Timothy Chalamet as an actor. And I know yeah. that I've had this issue and I've said it on the podcast before. I think call me by your name is good and he is good in mm. it. But then everything else I'm just thinking, is he just that though? Is that it? And this film yeah, is yeah. really just him at peak sort of waifish um, sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, he's kind of playing this Kentucky Southern guy, but everything mm. about him just screams like, Oh yeah, okay. You're also Paul Atreides. You're also uh, Elio. You know, it kind of feels yeah, like yeah, you're. I get what you're saying. And I, I got to the point where I was just like, maybe that's the thing that's detracting me from those scenes most is that actually I don't believe in your romance because I don't really believe in him as an actor. But that that wow. aside, there is <laughs> you know there's still some good stuff in here. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it's terrible. I'm just saying that it's good. But it wasn't but for you. It just kind of Massively. Well the thing is, coming so soon after Raw, which mm. is a much better coming of age cannibal movie. <laughs> it's amazing that we have so many of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a good language to tell it in, I think. And that's the that's the thing. Raw is spectacular and I think is mm-hmm. still one of my favourite films of the last ten years. And if you put this up against that and say, right, okay, they're both sort of coming of age romance things that also have sort of elements of sort of cannibalism in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would watch this zero times out of 10 <laughs> because it's just far inferior. And actually, I think I'm being unfair on it, maybe. I don't know. I think okay. I think it's a that'll do. Yeah, I think it's a that'll do pig on the basis of the fact that I'm looking at it and just going, I'm now five days away from having seen that. 
don't know that much of it is going to stick long in the memory with me. Mm-hmm. And that's an issue. So I would say it's a that will do pig. I know it's got rave reviews from a lot of people, and I know a lot of people just love whatever Luca Guadagnino does. But yeah, for me, yeah. it's exactly the same thing as Suspiria. He he decided to remake Suspiria and make it twice as long for whatever <laughs> reason. And what he managed to do in that time was nothing of note. <laughs> and that, for me, is something that Guadagnino tends to do without any success for me. And for mm-hmm. some people, it will absolutely work, and people will love the fact that it's a longer running time. Yeah. But if I'm looking at this and going, it's 130 minutes long, what is it doing with that time? There is like half an hour, I'm just like, cut chunks, cut chunks out of here. <laughs> there's some good. But it sounds like that's the premise <laughs> of the film. <laughs> there's some good bits where they're in like uh, gas stations on the road, and that's fun. Because um, mm-hmm. I just like gas stations. Hey. Well. Talking about thing, making things twice as long and not doing anything with that time. It's is, a new is, lap record. Is that us done? It's the, it's the longest episode <laughs> ever. Um, yeah, is that us done? Is that what? Yeah. Awesome. Get, I know what you've got to get to the football. Yeah, i got to I got to get ready. You know what? i got to go. I hope England win. Can get this in a costume? I hope they win. <laughs> um, and I don't thank even like you, them. Alex. I think they're um, rotten. <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in you know it's good to be mm. back i feel i feel fighting fit like i i feel like i i gave my best there like my best work wow. ever that, that was my best work okay. ever um thank you it's as ever for Christmas. joining us um we are still on twitter you see violent night? uh yeah i'll probably Fucking see it hell, of course you will you ain't gonna see all the films that i'm recommending to you but you're gonna see david <laughs> harbour <laughs> um Thank you, John News, as ever, for the yes. theme song this I don't time. Know. It was like a Jingle Bells thing. It's nearly Christmas. It's nearly Christmas. Um, thank you, Alex, as ever, for oh, hosting. thanks for hosting as well. You've always been here. You've never had a week off. Don't worry. <laughs> I love it. I love you all. Until next time. See you next time. Just, like, don't have a bad Christmas. It's not even Christmas yet. It's so far away. And if you're coming of age, stop biting people's fingers <laughs> off. That's good advice. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Oh.